0: We may not be able to attend large events in the same way right now, but that doesn't mean you can't still enjoy this year's Village Women's Conference. On Saturday, November 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, you can watch solo from the comfort of your home or office, or better yet, host a watch party so you and your friends can gather and listen to incredible speakers. And the best part is, registration is free. To learn more, go to thisisvillagechurch.com conference. Today on Focus on the Family, we're returning to the story of a damaged marriage where God intervened in powerful ways. And uh, we'll cover some mature topics here, so please direct the attention of younger children elsewhere for the next 30 minutes.
1: And then all of a sudden he said, Mom, do you love my dad? And uh, that started God taking me through my vows. Because when he asked me that question, we had we had met with our restoration team, and God had begun his work in me long enough that I could see the hope.
0: That's Kirsten Samuel, and she's with us again today on Focus on the Family along with her husband Dave. And uh, they have an incredible story for us. And uh, your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller.
2: John, we had an amazing conversation with Dave and Kirsten last time, uh, describing the heartbreaking revelation uh, that Dave was suffering from a lifelong and secret uh, addiction to pornography. And as a result, his job and marriage were on the line. Uh, But God was right there in the middle of their crisis, and the Samuels were almost immediately able to get the help they needed to begin restoring their relationship. It was a difficult, messy journey. If you missed the program last time, uh, get the download, get the smartphone app, listen to it. uh, Because if you're in that spot, this is the kind of help that you need to know about. And the bottom line is, let us help you. That's why they're here telling their story. Their heart is that they can be vulnerable, share their story, so perhaps... Tens, if not hundreds of people can be helped and healed
0: as well in their marriages. Mm -hmm. And we've seen uh, literally thousands of couples helped through Hope Restored, Uh, Jim, the Focus on the Family Marriage Intensives, Mm -hmm. that have four days or so of time unpacking and exposing and uh, dealing with some of those things that you talked about
2: you know it's there we have three locations uh, for you it's in branson missouri also in michigan and in uh windshape in uh, rome georgia and we want you to reach out uh, we will find a way to get you through that program and it has an 80 percent post two-year uh, recovery rate i mean those that means that 80 percent of those marriages that were headed toward divorce are two years later still together and doing better yeah And uh,
0: we're here for
2: you, and that is a wonderful program.
0: It is, and miracles do happen at these intensives. Uh, Call us if you'd like to learn more about Hope Restored or uh, to talk to one of our counselors. That's a free service that we offer. Uh, We can set you up for a consultation with one of those counselors when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family.
2: And as we did last time, we're covering uh, a great new book that's out with Kirsten Samuel called Choosing a Way Out When the Bottom Isn't the Bottom. And. Let's pick it up right there. Uh, It was so good last time, so painful. You both had tears. I I get it, and I so appreciate your willingness to share the story because people will be helped, and that's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Um, Dave, I want to ask you, because we didn't really cover this territory last time, that addiction problem, where Mm -hmm. did it start? What happened to you? Um, How old were you? and it's not an excuse at the same time right i mean it happens but it doesn't mean you have to choose to go that direction explain
3: it all started i was exposed to pornography probably when i was five or six um, by a, a neighbor friend you know just one of those things where hey check check out this magazine i was youngest of three brought up in a military family so we moved around all the time so you know, didn't have a lot of friends that had a lot of history. And so that fed my insecurity of being a boy that wasn't into sports, you know, didn't, wasn't the jock, didn't do all that stuff, was more attracted to arts and music, um, more of a sensitive temperament. And so didn't really feel like I fit in anywhere with the guy friends that I would have at school, you know, when, when I would make friends finally after we changed, you know, military posts. And so that whole process, that, that pornography was my medication of choice. When I felt insecure, when I felt scared and frightened, which was a lot of the time, uh, you know, going to a new school for the first time, and it's hard. It was hard for me. But that was my medication of choice, Okay. Before the internet, it was more difficult to have access to any of that. So it was pretty much controlled with the exception of, you know, walking along the street and finding a magazine that somebody had tossed out the, the car window or something like that. Um, but for the most part, it was controlled. So the first part of our marriage really, you know, had no access to it. It was It was fine. The marriage was great. But... Around the time where internet started becoming into our homes, which would have been early 90s, early mid-90s, it really became a struggle because the access was there, the anonymity was there, the secrecy was there, it was all those things that fuel an addiction where I can get away with this. And so that just continued to snowball. You know, in that context,
2: before we move back to the story, um, addiction versus uh, saturation, I mean, the culture... Is saturated mm-hmm. right. in pornography to some degree. It scantily clothed people, mm-hmm. etc. It's almost celebrated now, you know, a Super Bowl commercial right. and all the stuff we talk about. I mean, how do you not look mm-hmm. at some of that and turn away, but yeah. you're still being shown this almost? without any desire or anything and you so can't I, turn away fast enough. yeah you can't yeah. you're just exposed i mean i have two teen boys mm-hmm. so that you know gene and i are constantly talking right. about mm-hmm. that and you know now it's inoculation it they're exposed to it now you gotta say okay what would god want you mm-hmm. to think about mm-hmm. here and but our, i guess the bottom line question right. is the culture is so saturated it mm-hmm. how do you actually subdue that
3: well i think let's talk about it from a parent standpoint Of you know you've got kids in the home that are being exposed to that you've got to talk about it you've got to say okay what did that make you feel what did you see let's talk about that be more open yeah absolutely I mean uh, when I would bring these things up to my parents and and I love my parents and but no parent is perfect right the the answer I would get would be (laughs) the birds can fly over your head but you don't need to let them make a nest in your hair. And I remember, and I remember, yeah. As Sorry, a, as ancient tw- proverbs, right. I remember as a twelve-year-old thinking, "What does that mean?" It's and, like
2: that commercial where the woman's asking for financial advice of her father, yeah, and he says something like that, and she's it, like, "What?"
3: And I just remember thinking, "Okay, that's not the that doesn't help," and so I'm not going to pursue mm-hmm. these questions with my folks anymore, and so I didn't. And as I look back, you know, to for someone to show a five or six-year-old pornography is abuse, mm-hmm. and I Terrible. know I know that now. You're right, Jim. It doesn't. It's not an excuse. Yeah, but because we, we do have a choice.
2: Yeah, and I just wanted to make sure we get that out on mm-hmm. the table that that was the origin. It's the typical right. origins for boys, mm-hmm. you know, that we end up seeing things at eight, nine, ten years old, and it seems to be getting younger all the time. And then, you know, it it grabs you mm-hmm. for all those reasons. It becomes a coping mm-hmm. mechanism. All right, uh last time we ended in a tender moment. I mean, Kirsten, you were talking about the recovery program, you had a recovery team, mm-hmm. which I think is incredible. I think for most people, you know, when they're asked the question, do you have a good friend? Many people, certainly men, say no. Mm-hmm. So describe even the idea of of a, a team of people that were there to help you. I mean, that most people probably would not have that. How did you recognize it? How did you formulate it? And who came to your rescue?
1: Well, like I said, we made immediate phone calls. The first one I made was to uh, Kathy. And then Dave made a call to our friend Peter. We'd been in a Bible study with Peter and Debbie for a number of years and knew that we could trust them. And um, so Peter agreed to meet Dave for breakfast the next morning because he had 24 hours to come up with a plan. And I, I had nothing, and he had nothing. And I
3: thought, okay, I've been trying this for years. How am I going to come up with something in twenty-four hours? But
1: so Peter, it did push you. It did push (laughs) us.
3: Sense of urgency was there.
1: Um, So Peter had actually participated in a restoration team Mm. for some other folks that were struggling in a marriage situation where there was some issues going on, and so he said, I think I have an idea. And he presented it to us, and this idea comes from the book Restoring the Fallen. And um, the hard part was that we had to choose between four to six people that we could trust, that were spiritually mature, that would pray for us, that would pray for our family, that would be willing to walk this journey from anywhere from 18 months to 36 months. Okay. I started doing that, and I'm going, Hmm. who do we know that would do that? And this was part of the problem, and this is what happens when there's, mm-hmm. when there's an addictive cycle going on. You become extremely isolated. So I had people that I knew, but Dave wasn't comfortable with them. He had people he knew, but wasn't comfortable with them. And when we had to identify, we decided to go with couples. Um, we really struggled to come up with three couples.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that That would be most people's dilemma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked the question. But you persevered. And that's one of the key things I want to make sure people hear that if they're in that spot, if you're not connected to a church, now would be a good time to Uh get connected. That is the place, really, where you can find that help, whether it's a pastor or, uh, you know, maybe even an addiction recovery Mm -hmm. group in that church. That's one of the great services that churches provide, Mm -hmm, right? Yes. That's Mm -hmm. the social uh, net. That they're there to help people with so I would encourage them to go that way let let me move back into the story you're with the counselor the first time Dave you walk out you know again you're the one addicted to pornography mm-hmm. you've been found out you right. go through all that sense of you know being the one who betrayed your spouse etc mm-hmm. you go to the counselor the counselor was pretty optimistic you felt pretty buoyant right
3: I did yeah and why because there was a plan in place. I knew, you know, he said, okay, this is what we need to be walking through. And really, when it came down to what I was struggling with in the addiction was low self-esteem, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, how then can we take care of that? And, and there were, you know, he his response was, we can deal with this. This is fixable. This is fixable.
2: Mm-hmm. That had to be
3: incredibly It, it was huge. positive for mm-hmm. you. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, Kirsten, in that regard... He was a little more hard-hitting with you, which, again, people are going, what? Yeah. She's the victim. Yeah. And we get that. But just listen to your answer. Let's go.
1: We sat there, and I think it was the first time that Dave and I took a deep breath was when he said, this is fixable. And I was like, okay, okay, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And no lie, in he turned, and he looked at me, and his demeanor totally changed. Hmm. And he said, Kirsten, I have to ask you a question. Have you ever or are you considering taking your own life?
2: Wow, just that fast. That was it. Mm.
1: And I just, I, 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 I stuttered just like I'm doing right now. I stuttered and I said, no, why would you ask me that? And he said, because you're suicidally depressed, you have PTSD, and you have a moderate anxiety disorder, and you need help now. And he said, you need to get on medication, and if you don't, I have to put you in the hospital. And the ground might as well have opened up and swallowed me whole.
2: It had to be coming out of left field. It was. Mm-hmm. Was he accurate? Yes. Hmm.
1: I had been hiding. This is the other part of the story. I had been hiding since my abuse, and I was stuck at nine years old.
2: Huh. If you can explain that, help us better understand what happened.
1: I was I was I was physically attacked by someone I knew and trusted at the age of nine, and the miracle of the story that um, my counselor took me through after we had gone through our intensive counseling, I ended up needing additional uh, specialized counseling, and um, I was able to escape. From that attack, I never told anybody. Um, the first person I told was Dave, before we got married. And I, but I brushed it off. I said I'm fine. Nothing it was, happened. Nothing happened. Right. I'm fine. I was never, you know.
2: Other than the trauma of it happening, mm-hmm.
1: right? And as a nine-year-old, you don't know how to process what sure. just happened to you. Oh. You know, you don't know how to process somebody trying to force themselves on you and all of that. And um, and so. Emotionally, I got stuck at nine, and so I was—I couldn't process. You know, there's a term today called emotional intelligence. Well, I didn't have it <laughs> uh-huh. because I couldn't process it. So when when our counselor hit me with that, uh, my world literally went dark. I mean, it was like you know how when you're getting ready to pass out, how your your eyesight just starts to go dim and you start to see in a real pinpoint. Uh-huh. That's exactly what happened. Uh-huh. It was a very visceral response. And um, So he
2: popped the bottle. Yeah. I mean, it was coming out all of a sudden. Yeah.
1: And so this, all of this that I had been hiding all of these years was now exposed. Uh, wow. And it was like God said to me, it's time to deal. We need to deal because I'm concerned about your health.
2: Mm. I can't imagine that jujitsu feeling that I'm here <laughs> to help my husband who's got a really bad problem yeah. with pornography and him turning to you and saying that and it collapsing in on you. Yeah, I mean, it's almost just two very distinctly different issues. You guys were both kind of Mm -hmm. coiled around each other emotionally, spiritually, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, Kirsten, in your book, Choosing a Way Out, you refer to yourself as a good Christian girl. And I think this is the right place for that question. Mm -hmm. How did you manage those two Kind of opposite ends of the. You were just trying to be this good Christian girl, mm-hmm. probably trying to get clean from your nine year old experience. I would think like.
1: No, actually, I was completely ignoring it. Just, I had shut it off, and it was like I'm fine. I don't have to deal with that. And but the good Christian girl image was. Um, Dan Allender describes it in the, in the book The Wounded Heart. It's a great book. Which is a fabulous Mm -hmm. book. It took me months to read it because I had to keep putting it down because I was reading about myself.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: But what he described was that there's women who who are abused, you go one of three directions. You go the tough girl, the promiscuous girl, or the good girl. I varied between the good girl and the tough girl, mostly the good girl. It was my responsibility to make sure everybody around me was happy. It didn't matter what I was going through. So if somebody was upset, I took it upon myself to fix it whatever it was that's exhausting Mm -hmm. that's Mm. exhausting and god used our counselor with a two-by-four to literally rip the rug up from underneath me and say i have something better for you Mm. and this is not it
0: this focus on the family broadcast will continue in just a moment Hi, this
2: is Jim Daly. Is your family feeling tired, restless, even stressed out? Well, you're not alone. These are tough times. And that's why we at Focus on the Family have created something new and helpful for you and your loved ones. It's called Focus at Home, a free on-demand streaming service featuring the faith-filled content from Focus on the Family that you know and trust. With Focus at Home, it's like you're getting access to our content vault. Explore old favorites like Adventures in Odyssey or Radio Theater. Discover new interactive children's stories. And we'll have a few surprises for you along the way. There's something fun for every member of the family. And we'll keep adding fresh titles so you can check in every day. Best of all, it's 100% biblically based. Sign up now and get total access to our best content for families during this challenging season. Visit FocusOnTheFamily.ca. FocusOnTheFamily.ca.
0: Check out Focus on the Family Canada's daily broadcast app and join millions of listeners as they tune into the daily broadcast every day with Jim Daly and John Fuller. Featuring interviews with a variety of Christian experts giving tips and advice on how to be a better spouse, parent, or follower of Christ. Take an authentic and inspirational look at the family, all from a godly perspective. Get the free app today at FocusOnTheFamily.ca slash mobile. Or visit your Apple, Google, or Windows App Store. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. We'll continue now with the balance of our programming. Um,
2: Kirsten, uh, in the book you had a powerful story about learning how to grieve. We're touching on that, I think. Uh, but it started with that counselor asking you, where is Jesus? Yes. I mean, this is, you know, we are Christian at our core. Mm-hmm. So that is a fair question. Right. In all of this, where is Jesus?
1: Yes. He's there. And what that is. When answers, you were a nine year old, was he there? He was there. When she took me back to that day, and the details are vivid, she said, Look around you and where is Jesus? Hmm. And I, st- I saw Jesus standing over my attacker's shoulder, weeping. He was weeping for me but he was weeping for my attacker mm. because there was something in that attacker that had caused him to act out and God revealed that to me um and it you know to the point that when my attacker died again because this was someone I knew when he died I grieved his death and that to me was God's grace in action I could literally grieve his death and rejoice because I knew he was with Jesus now. He had come to the Lord, and he had a vibrant relationship with Jesus.
2: And Kirsten, I'm I'm sure people are wondering, what were the next steps? One, two, three. What happened to you curled up in the corner of your doctor's office? And just well, describe for them where you've yeah. come from and how you're doing.
1: I'm doing great. By the grace of God, I'm doing great. Um, you know, we tell people we wouldn't wish what we went through on any our worst enemies but i wouldn't trade it for the world why because i discovered who god is and He is so much bigger than i thought he is so much greater than i thought he has so much more grace for me and he is a father he is the one who sustains and i mean you know everybody's walk through depression is different. I went on medication. I am no longer on medication, but that doesn't mean I won't have to go back on it. Sure. But the big thing in the depression, not only was there the mind fog, the physicalness, the the fatigue, all of that, but it was the spiritual. Because all of a sudden, all of my spiritual cliches didn't work. Because I'd hit bottom. Mm -hmm. I had hit the bottom of the pit. And... I remember being at the bottom, and I described it as slimy and cold and damp and silent. Mm. And I would pray, and it didn't didn't go anywhere. I would read my Bible, and it didn't make any sense. The only thing that made sense to me were the Psalms, and they were the Psalms where David is saying, gnash their teeth out, kill them, and it was all of that because that was all of the the pain and the anger that was in me was finally coming out. And I discovered a few things about God. One, He can handle my anger. Mm -hmm. He already knows I have it. He can handle it. Two, He's not afraid of my questions. And I had a lot of questions, because I was like, where are you? You're not answering me. And He was bigger. He was answering His question, am I big enough? Mm -hmm. And He was saying, I'm here. And when I hit the bottom, Jim, I'll never forget the image. I remember I was sitting at home. Dave was at work. I was sitting at home, and I just said, I, I don't want to go on anymore. And this was the second time that I realized that was the suicidal depression. Mm. And I said, I don't want to go on anymore. And I remember crying out and saying, God, where are you? You promised you wouldn't leave me, but I'm alone. I don't know where you are. And I was sitting there with my eyes closed, and all of a sudden, I got this picture in my head, and it was Jesus standing with his arms wide open. And he said, I'm right here. Hmm. And when he said that, I started to breathe. I started to breathe because I knew, I knew that I knew that my God was real, and he had met me in my point of pain, and he would never, ever leave me because he had... He had all these promises, and he said, I provided for you ahead of time. Look who's in place. And um, he had people surrounding us. This restoration team, I described them as a cocoon. Mm -hmm. They became the place where we crawled in, and they protected us. They held us accountable, but they protected us. They asked us the hard, hard questions. So that when we got to that point where we were coming out of the mess... We were not the same people we were when we went in.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and that uh, is so critical for people to hear. You know, that scripture that says, I'm close to the brokenhearted, oh. and I'll paraphrase, it's God is close to the brokenhearted right. and he saves those crushed mm-hmm. in spirit. Yeah. It's almost as if he's saying, the valleys will be where I teach you mm-hmm. who you are and who I am. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we, in especially... In Western culture, we we run from the valleys. We don't want to go down to the valley. We want to stay up on the mountaintop. 20 ways to make me happy, 45 ways to do my hair, whatever. We don't want to go to the valley where there's serious stuff. And uh, that is where God will meet you. Mm -hmm. And um, it is where we should run to Mm -hmm. so we don't have to linger in pain. This has been such a great story. Uh, I want to uh, go online, give a few practical Uh, helps to people at the website. John, you'll give those details. Mm -hmm. We just have run out of time, Mm -hmm. but I I want people that are hurting to either go there, a couple more questions I'll ask you about practical application to prevent situations in your marriage, but also, if you're hurting right now, I mean, emotionally bleeding, I can feel it, I want you to call us. We're here. We have Mm -hmm. caring Christian counselors who will call you back because they'll schedule a time and and uh, we'll we 'll get back to you, and we will talk with you, and they will provide resources for you, et cetera. Take advantage of it, supporters provide the means for us to be able to do that for you. Uh, there is no condemnation in that mm-hmm. and after forty three years of ministry, we have really heard most everything, mm-hmm. and it 's okay. Mm-hmm. you can trust us we 're not mm-hmm. going to hurt you, but we do want to help you. Mm-hmm. And that's a commitment that I want to make to you. So get a hold of us. If you're in a place in your marriage that is struggling terribly, uh, look into our Hope Restored program. It's for you. It's for that couple Mm -hmm. that is really in trouble. And again, don't hold back. Uh, Ask yourself the question, is my marriage worth it? Mm -hmm. Is there hope? And if the answer is yes, let's go. Let's do the work you need to do to make your marriage better. Mm And uh, you can do all that at
0: the website or uh, by calling us. And we have so many resources that can help uh, our team of caring Christian counselors, or uh, Kirsten's book, Choosing a Way Out. And then a podcast series by Greg and Erin Smalley called No Porn Marriage, in which they dig deeper into the impact of pornography and how you can find healing as a couple. Our number is 800 AFAMILY, 800 232 6459. Or stop by FocusOnTheFamily.ca. And let me encourage you to make a donation today to Focus on the Family Canada. You'll help us to rescue and strengthen more hurting marriages. And uh, your monthly pledge, your one-time contribution, makes a big difference in the work that we do here. So please donate as you can when you call 800-AFAMILY or at FocusOnTheFamily.ca.
2: Dave and Kirsten, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, It's amazing what God has done in your marriage and in each of you individually. It's really the picture of what having a relationship with Christ is all about. Thank you. That's
3: right. You're welcome, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Well,
0: we're so glad that you could join us for this episode of Focus on the Family and trust that you've really been touched by what our guests have shared. Coming up next time, we're going to be introducing you to an artist who God chose to paint for his glory. We are humans, and we don't have it all in our heads to know exactly how something will look in nature, you know? And so I like to go right to God's creation and see it with my own eyes and respond to it rather than try to create it. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.